0: Welcome back to the program. Are you waiting for some kind of medical treatment that you're not going for because, one, you know, your elective surgery has been canceled and you just can't? Or two, just not, I'm not going to a hospital. Are you nuts? I'm not going anywhere near a hospital. More and more, we have heard from medical experts saying that, you know, the death toll due to coronavirus is not just coronavirus. It is also those people who you know have underlying conditions or different kind of conditions that have nothing to do with COVID-19 who are just saying I'm not going to get help I'm not I'm not going to the hospital and we know from the numbers that you know we haven't had a surge in the hospitals to what we expected we know we have capacity and increasingly now you know healthcare prof- professionals are being redeployed to long-term care homes and we know we have enough ICU beds and we have enough ventilators at this moment I mean we don't know what's going to happen in the future, you know, and we could still see a spike, but the numbers are going down. We have capacity in hospitals, and therefore we're at a point now where we can start talking about the resumption of elective surgeries. Now, we know that here in Ontario, those surgeries have been on surgeries have been on hold since March the fifteenth. The Minister of Health has said we are beginning the process of planning to restart them. You know, it's a, this sort of dance where we do where we're like, we're we're not going to talk about it, we're going to talk about talking about it, you know, and then eventually we'll get to a date. In British Columbia, elective surgeries will resume on May the 18th. Obviously, B.C. is in a different kind of situation than we are in terms of their case numbers, but officials there say it could take up to two years for their healthcare system to catch up and clear the backlog. Dr. Leslie Barron is General Surgeon at Georgetown Hospital and joins me on the line to talk more about the planned resumption of elective surgeries in Ontario. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So what kind of backlog are we looking at in Ontario when we do get to a point of resumption of elective surgeries?
1: Well, so we've had closure for two months now. And and certainly, I think over the next couple of months, there's just going to be absolutely no way that we are going to go back to doing the volumes that we were doing in February. Um, We have extra precautions that we have to take now in the operating room, which are slowing them down. Um, So I I think what we're going to see is a a real slowing down of OR services in Ontario and that could go on for, like you said, in B.C., up to two years, depending on the surges that we see in the COVID virus in the community. Um, we have issues with our drug supply. So the same drugs that are used to keep somebody sedated and on a ventilator are the ones that are used often to keep them asleep in the operating room. And so there could be rate-limiting factors like drug shortages that actually come into play, as well as the cases taking longer because of extra precautions at the beginning and end of cases.
0: Do you see that there would be certain kinds of elective surgeries that you think, well, those are just not coming back even in the short or medium term? As you say, we have to sort of space these things out and go slow.
1: Yeah, so I think there is going to be a prioritization of surgeries. We often talk about a uh, black and white two groups of surgeries, elective and emergency. And the reality is that within elective surgeries, elective is a poor word because it implies that some of them or most of them are not medically necessary. When elective surgeries actually mean most surgeries are actually scheduled in the operating room, you're not coming in and doing those through the middle of the night Right. So even with elective surgeries, there's a large amount of variation. I honestly think, you know, cosmetic surgery is probably going to be the last thing to catch up, because I think people can agree that that's not something that we should be prioritizing when the future looks very unclear in terms of drug shortages, ICU bed shortages, hospital bed shortages, you know, in the short and longer term.
0: Would that extend to private clinics, doctor?
1: Um, So that's a good question. Private clinics obviously have the same uh, drug supply chain issues, uh, PPE shortage issues that public hospitals have. We don't have uh, a lot of private clinics. We do have cosmetic private clinics within Ontario. Um, So I guess that it would depend on, I think when we say, when I talk about slowing down, it's generally I'm talking about the public hospital system.
0: I see. Where would you, and, and I understand you, you, your point, you make an excellent point when you say elective is just maybe too broad of a term. So yeah, if, really. if, co- <laughs> if cosmetic is not, like what is at the top of that list? Is there a triage list, that, uh, some kind of guideline that, that surgeons and doctors would use, or is it more of a case by case, by case basis?
1: Well, we keep talking about cancer surgeries and also um uh, heart surgery, obviously, those are going to be at top of mind in terms of risk of bad outcome if you have too much delay there, right, if you if you let things go on too long. And we do have a system in my hospital where I am allowed to bring in somebody for elective surgery, but I have to kind of clear it through higher powers up uh, that we didn't used to have to do that, right? Um, and then I think when I think of one of my most common operations, uh, which is gallbladder surgery, um, you know, what we're seeing is patients coming in with pain through the emergency room and, and really having to be done because they've presented with multiple attacks. And that's a condition that we know if we leave it too long, not only are the patients going to be in pain, we're going to put them at risk for complications that can end up costing the healthcare system a lot of money down the road. And I would like to say just to all of your listeners, you know, surgeons don't like this any more than, than you do. Most of us love operating. We, uh, I particularly love being able to take a patient with a defined problem and be able to have their pain resolved and fix that problem for them in a really short-term basis. Um, And I kind of pride myself on doing that. And that's just something that uh, the rug's been pulled out from under us. But I think most people can understand why we had to keep the resources available in case we did have the surge of COVID cases. What's happened is exactly what we wanted to happen. You know, we we flattened the curve It kept resources available for people who are actually very sick.
0: I'm speaking with Doctor. Leslie Barron, who is a general surgeon at Georgetown Hospital, and you talked about how the rug has been pulled out underneath from underneath you in terms of you know your day to day prior and the before times. I mean, how, how how have you been spending your time in the last two months when you're obviously not doing elective surgeries?
1: Yeah, so today's Monday, and normally Monday is my favorite day because it's my operating day. I get to come into the hospital. I would usually do six to eight cases, gallbladders, hernias, uh, sometimes of breast cancer and uh, that was a great day for me. Um, So today uh, I had an urgent case that I uh, ran through the powers that be and I got to add that on. We were finished that case by 9.30. Um, my partner, the other general surgery, then asked me to help out with another emergency case and that's what I've just finished doing and then I'm, I'm going to be finished for the day, really. I am also working in our uh, COVID assessment clinic and I am still running my office uh, so I still go in and make sure that the local family doctors or the emergency room haven't sent me urgent referrals that really need to be seen in a really expedited way and I go through those weekly to make sure that things aren't getting missed for people who actually need urgent care.
0: I was uh, reading uh, through your your Twitter feed, um, you know, just prior to our interview, and and I noticed you had an interesting perspective on masks. Um, And I'm just wondering if you could share your thinking on masks, especially when we see in other parts of the world, them starting to say mandatory for public transit and also mandatory for some stores. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes. You know, that makes me uh, mandatory mask laws make me very nervous for several reasons. Um, We don't have good data. On mask wearing in terms of reducing transmission, the countries that have done mask wearing um, have also done a lot of other things to reduce the spread of, of COVID. So I think we, the science is really out on that. Um, when I see people wearing masks, I often see them um, wearing masks wrong. So touching the outside of the mask, a mask on both sides is really should be treated like a used tissue. You really don't want to touch that. So you want to take it off by the uh, the ear straps. Um, it really, my mom has pretty advanced Alzheimer's, and I know if uh, if somebody forced her to wear a mask, that she could potentially get quite aggressive. So I am worried about mandatory mask laws and uh, people with mental health issues, people who are homeless, people who live in poverty and can't afford to buy masks. Uh, I do worry about um, sort of maybe draconian enforcement in terms of fines and arrests for those type of people and maybe having the situation escalate when really we should be doing education with people. I also worry about it giving permission for people who are feeling unwell to go out in public when really what they should be doing is socially isolating, quarantining, staying at home. So I think there's a bunch of different things. I'm not against people who wear masks. I'm really not in favour of enforcement laws that are going to Uh, ticket people find them or potentially arrest them or, you know, have them bodily thrown off of public transport or, you know, we've seen some videos of that on social media.
0: And and when we talk about masks, I know many medical officials talk about this uh, sense of security, a false sense of security that a mask gives you. One thing I saw this weekend out of the garden center was this couple that were both wearing baseball caps that had plastic face shields sort of, you know, clipped to the brim so, and I just wondered, well, how possibly is that effective for you at all? What does that do for you? And I'm wondering what you're you're seeing when you're out in the general public.
1: Yeah, so I'm definitely seeing some um, mask uses. Lots of masks uh, being worn around the chin, so not particularly effective. As a surgeon, I really like to, I, I think this is a multi-pronged problem. So a mask is not a be-all and all solution. Neither is a face shield. We need hand washing, we need social distancing, we need to make sure that people who are symptomatic are, are able to stay home, you know, paid sick leave policies. So it has to be a broad approach as opposed to people tend to get fixated on one thing um, and I'm kind of worried about it's going to escalate right, road rage instant, instances related to people not wearing masks in public. Particularly, like we're coming into allergy season. Someone like me has a lot of sneezing potentially, and <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't. I don't like to see things getting out of control. There's, there's always a lot of nuance to, to these issues that people don't consider. So it's not just mask good, people not wearing masks bad.
0: I, I, I sneezed rather hard in the uh, television studio last week when I was, you know, in the middle of the show. Luckily, it wasn't actually on me at the time, but I sneezed and I, I felt like a criminal. I, fe- yeah. <laughs> I felt like somebody was going to come out and just, you know, wrap me in plastic and take me away.
1: Yeah. Well, the weather is uh, trying to suppress the pollen right now, so maybe <laughs> 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 <carry on> anyway.
0: <laughs> Dr. Leslie Barron, a general surgeon at Georgetown Hospital, really great having you on the program. I appreciate your perspective. Please stay well.
1: Great. Thanks for having me.